0: Well, this time of year is uh, a lot of celebrations, and we we prepare for the holidays. And So as I was thinking about my message today, I I went through this whole guilt trip because uh, it didn't seem like a holiday message. But I really felt compelled to share this message based on a lot of the stuff that's going on around us right now and a lot of things we're hearing. So next week, I promise, I don't promise, but next week I'm planning on uh, th- sharing a little bit about preparing for Christmas. But I just want to share a little bit today and, and have us just think about this whole area of sexual harassment that we're we're kind of hearing about now and just what's going on. And let me say that there's nothing new. You know, this is not new. You know, this has happened since man sinned. and uh, But now I, I really believe we're seeing some things happening in greater frequency. I think there's some things happening in our society that have happened because there's more acceptance and even promotion sometimes of evil. Um, and so I think, you know, if we say, well, there's nothing going on, you'd have to have your head in the sand. And I just want to think for a moment. 10, 15, I don't know, 20 years ago prior to right now,
1: there were some things that
0: happened in, in our in our country. Um, there were some... Sexual sins were being exposed back then, if you remember. Um, remember when the TV evangelists and pastors were being accused of sexual sins and different things going on? I mean, it was kind of like you just kept hearing names. I mean, it was like, wow, another name, another name, this person, you know. And then the whole Catholic Church went through the whole thing with the priests. You know, all the priests that were exposed for, for all their sexual sins that they had committed. You know, and that happened. And then we get now, and now it seems like it's what? Well, it seems like it's politicians, entertainers. Kind of interesting. You know, it's like, well, it's another focus. Well, with that in mind, I want you to look at First Peter 4.17. seventeen. First Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Interesting to me that it says, where does God start his judgment? He says he starts his judgment with his people. And then he says, well, he says, the end for those that don't obey will be coming. It'll be it'll be even worse. And it just seems to me that's like that's kind of what happened. You know, God started with his people and he started he started with the church and and then now it's kinda of like, okay, now we're gonna expand this a little bit and we're gonna expose more things. And I'm, this isn't, And let me say this. There's nothing political about what I'm saying, folks. You can, you can, you know, and I know there's a lot of political conversation about all this stuff. But I want to tell you, there's a lot more behind this than political things, okay? So we're talking about where our country's at. And why are we where we are? And so I believe God always starts with his people first. The Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. He doesn't say if the non-believers will humble themselves and seek my face, then I will turn from. No, he says, if my people, if my people. So we got to realize that, you know, it's it's God's people first, but then God says, you know, I'll get to the others later. And so I want to think about that for a little bit, maybe where we are. Why are we where we are? How did this happen? How did we get here? What brought us to this place? Well, first of all, I think family structure has pretty much been attacked and in some cases destroyed. Pretty much, pretty much family structure is just gone by the wayside. TV shows, you know, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of the sitcoms, a lot of the things that are supposedly family shows, but, um, you know, it's hard to find a mom and a dad doing normal things anymore. You know, it's, just, it's just like, well, we're, we're not there. We're not there. Fathers are missing in families. Fathers are missing. You know, a lot of situations, I, I think we've brought some of it on our own. Uh, we've promoted uh, helping ladies that don't have fathers in the situation. And I, I, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but I think once you do that, you're telling people that, you know what? I can get support and I don't need a guy. I can just, all I got to do is have a baby. All I got to do is have a baby and I'll get support. The downside of that is now we have fathers missing in our families. Families being raised without fathers. I don't know how many times I I hear pastors and and people say, you know what, we just need to have fathers for these children. These children are looking for fathers. I've heard this over and over. These children are looking for fathers. You know, even in children's ministry and and, uh, youth ministry, you know, you find that these kids, they just want a guy that looks like a father. You don't have to say anything or do anything. They just they just enjoy being around somebody that looks like a father because they don't have that. I think we found that over the years here lately, premarital sex is now accepted as okay. That's just 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 okay. Nobody, you know, there's just a matter of fact, we just gotta teach our kids how to be safe. We don't teach them that it's wrong. We just got to teach them how to be safe. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. We, we wouldn't go there. I think we find, and I was listening to, to somebody talk the other day about this, and they says, business is now conducted after hours with a drink. After, that's when business is conducted. These, these were business people doing a, they were just talking about things. They said, well, we got, well, that's how you do business. You know, you go after hours. and you, That's how you conduct your business. You work eight, and then you go. You have after hours, and you do your business with a drink. Well, a drink, a few drinks. What does a drink do? It lessens our inhibitions. Guess what? Maybe to the point that now we say, well, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay. And we find that, you know, if you're doing business, men and women, You know, you got men and women now conducting business after work over a drink. You know, it looks like to me that's asking for trouble. Looks like that's just asking for trouble. TV shows. You know, again, I I, I watch the commercials enough to draw some conclusions. But, you know, TV shows, so-called family shows. Family shows during prime time are filled with suggestive comments about sex. And it's a joke. Oh, isn't that funny? You know? And so now, you know, we're, we're seeing that, uh, you know, it's accepted. It seems funny. It seems funny. And so our kids, I think, they watch that and they start to make assumptions. Comedians think they have to be vulgar to be funny. You know, you can't, you can't be funny, you can't be humorous without being vulgar. I believe that women wanting to be equal with men, that what has happened, and I'm not saying, you know, this is not a sexist comment, and, You know if you know, sorry, sorry, but, you know, but what's happened is women wanting to be equal with men have now lost the respect that they should get and be deserved. Why? Because now they want to be equal with men. Do you realize what that does? You know, why would you want to be equal with men? I mean, I don't know. That's just my thinking. What, so you can be treated like men treat each other? You know, so you know, I think women ought to be elevated to a position of respect and honor. You know, to me, being equal to a man is just bringing you down. That's just my opinion. It's my opinion. And so consequently, I think they've lost the respect that he should have gotten, and now they're just one of the guys one of the guys. So, you know, what are they women reporters? What do they do? Well, they go into the men's locker rooms? And I I don't know what I mean, I'm sure they try to be careful in there and I don't, I don't I never been in that situation, but I'm sure somehow they but I don't know. That just doesn't seem quite right to me. That just doesn't, you know, to me that just is like isn't that asking for trouble? Haven't we done some things maybe that gets us where we are, and then we, now we look around and say, well, why are we here? Why is, all this, why is all this stuff happening? Sex sells everything, from cars to appliances, everything. You know? That's it, it's what they use to sell. I believe dress becomes more casual and suggestive. In general, in general, Something that's bothered me for a long or for a few years and I'm going to share it now. And this is just something that I've observed. Cheerleaders are no longer encouraging cheering. They anybody notice that. You know, we go to a few high school games, not a lot. You know, we go to maybe two or three. You know, I remember when the cheerleaders actually encouraged the crowd to cheer. My observation is now they do dance routines that are suggestive in nature. That's my observation. So consequently, I think that now we say that that behavior is okay. And now we got to a point where we go, oh, I think we have a problem. Oh, how did we get here? How did we get here? How do we get to where we are? What's the result? Well, the result is sexual harassment is rampant. That's what they tell us. Now we've gone too far. Oh, now, oh, somehow, how did we cross this boundary out there somewhere? How did we get to this place? churches now you know what one of the big we have to have sexual harassment policies our insurance man they give us a whole criteria of things we have to do because the problem is so rampant we have to have policies we have to have teaching we have to have training we have to teach proper conduct now we got to go back we got to teach people how to conduct themselves because we are where we are and it's interesting, now what? You know, I, I'm so interested in this. The government's trying to figure out what's proper behavior. The House of Representatives now says we need an ethics committee, and we've got to try to figure out what's pro- Isn't that something? Now we're going to have to try to figure out what's proper behavior. Where's the lines? Because we don't have any lines. Oh, wow, we've got to start drawing lines. We've got to figure out what's wrong. you know and it, it's not even you know family members you know family molestation is in families you know it's in it's it's everywhere, everywhere, you know, and here here we are, a mess, a mess, probably more than a mess, yes, yes, because from my standpoint, it's not just behavior we're not just talking behavior we're not just talking. Boundaries and lines. We're talking something the Bible calls sin, and there's a price for sin. There's a price for sin. Now the world doesn't call it sin, so consequently they're trying to figure out how to figure this out, and so they'll they'll do all their thing of having you know teaching and boundaries and all. But you know ultimately, folks, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. And what do we do? What do we do with sin? Well, the Bible has a formula for all this, believe it or not. In 1 John 1, verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That is where our country is, by and large, and most people. If we say we have no sin, we're just kidding ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We have a problem. We have a problem. We got some things going on that shouldn't be going on, but it's still not sin. And we're just deceiving ourselves. We're just kidding ourselves because the truth is not in us because we're not based on the truth. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So to me, the first thing that has to happen is you got to get back to the fact that, well, it's sin. We have have to admit we've sinned. We've sinned against God. You know, that's that's our problem. It's not just bad behavior. We've sinned against God. If we say we have no sin, we're just kidding ourselves. And the truth is that. But if we admit our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. But we got to turn to him. There has to be repentance. We got to come back to him. We got to turn back to him. We got to turn back. We got to turn back to Him and His Word. You know that that hasn't happened. You know, right now, right now, there's not a big rush for people to say, "Well, this is sin." You know, it's just the big rush is we got a problem, and we got to fix it. We got to get these. We got to get somehow. We're gonna we're gonna fix this. Well, I'm just curious to sit and watch the government fix this problem. I'm just curious how how's the world gonna fix it because the truth isn't in them. And so there, it's not going to get fixed. It's not going to fix until we come to sin and repentance and turning away from what we're doing. Until then, it's going to keep going. Now, they may slow it down and they may change thinking, but it's not going to solve the issue. It's not going to solve the issue. It's interesting, the Bible, the Bible has some really, really good ways of solving this problem. And I want to just look at a few of them. Okay, in Matthew, the fifth chapter of Jesus, he shared about this in a Sermon on the Mount. In the fifth chapter, the 27th verse, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said in old, you shall not commit adultery. In other words, in the Old Testament, it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with his, her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is unpro- it is more profitable for you that your one of your members perish, then your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand cause you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish, than for your whole body be cast into hell. Jesus had a very simple answer. He said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. That's not even touching her. Think about that. That would stop what all these guys are talking about and what they're accusing these people of. If you, if, you, if you thought that it was adultery just to look at a woman to lust after her, you wouldn't be doing this other stuff. It's just a matter of where you place the lines. Where do you place the truth? Where do you place the word of God? Well, Jesus says, you know, if you just look, you know, that you've committed adultery. Now, what does that say to a Christian? Well, that says that we're sinful. You know, we're sinful. But it also tells us that that's the criteria. That's the the place that we draw the line. And so, consequently, you wouldn't even think of touching somebody wrong. There wouldn't even be a a thought. Wouldn't even be a thought. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We're to, we're to imitate God. We're to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Well, that, you know, that's, that's good. You know, be imitators of God. That's kind of like, okay, I can do that. Well, maybe I can get close. Okay? But then he goes on. He says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Nor filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So it says, sex outside of marriage is wrong, fornication. But no fornication. All uncleanness. All uncleanness. No filthiness. Foolish talking or coarse jesting. So there would be no, there would be no telling dirty stories, joking about things that are inappropriate. There wouldn't be nothing found amongst you. It's not fitting. Another line, another line that's drawn in the Word of God. It's it's, it's a line. It's a boundary. You know, it's like okay. This is where our behavior is supposed to be. This is who we are. And, you know, and he says some pretty harsh words. He says, because none of them has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, you know, that is so, that is, that is so hard for us because, well, if you say that, you're what? You're judgmental. The Bible said it. The Bible said it. You know, there's somebody, but, well, Christians, they're so judgmental. The Bible said it. I, I, you know, I'm not making that judgment. That's not my call. It's 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 the Bible says it has no inheritance of the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. It says because of those things, God's wrath will come upon the sons of disobedience. You suppose there's a point out there somewhere where God's wrath comes upon us if we don't turn? You suppose that's a possibility that that's actually true? You know, if he said that judgment starts in his house and in his people first, and then judgment comes to the others, do you think not that then he when he says the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience that that's not true? That some point out there God says, "Oh, this has gone far enough." And if I believe if we don't turn and repent that that's out there as an option. That that's that's out there. God doesn't want that's not where he wants us to go. He wants us to repent and turn to him. But he says that's out there. That's out there. And so we have to see that there are boundaries and there are lines for our behavior. And they're not the ones the world gives us. They're not established by the world. For the Christian, they're established by God's word. And that's our that's our guide. That's our standard. It's not it's not what the world says. And I want to look at Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. You know, there was a lot of a lot of wisdom given out in Proverbs, and and um uh, the writer of Proverbs, you know, he keeps saying, My son, it's like It's like a father giving a son. Here's some advice, you know, my, you know, do this and do this. And let me just, let me just read from Proverbs, the sixth chapter, the 23rd verse. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Let your allure, let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to the crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Let me say something about behavior. And for girls... You know, there's, the Bible talks a lot about modesty. It talks about inner beauty. And that we need to be careful how we show ourselves to the world. And here it says that the harlot, she has a flattering tongue of a seductress. You know, it's important that girls don't try to lure boys. You know, don't try to lure them with flattering eyes or being a seductress. You know, and they're telling the guys don't lust after her beauty in your heart, you know because a man by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. what's that saying? Well, you know if you go that path, you can just be reduced to nothing, be reduced to poverty, an adulteress will prey upon his precious life, you know, and so is he who goes into his neighbor's life, do you see folks that? God has a way. He has a way, and it's in His Word. You know, His Word is the answer for these problems we're trying to figure out. The problems are there. You know, the problems are there. And I think there's a responsibility on men, and I think there's a responsibility on women. Okay? Okay? Now, in some circles, you can get in trouble for that because if you say, well, you know, a woman should be able to dress any way she wants and if the man does something he shouldn't, it's his fault. Well, you know, I think it's his fault. I think everybody will answer. I think everybody will answer. I don't think you can just say, well, you can do whatever you want to lure somebody into a situation then if they cross the line, it's their fault. Now, it's their fault, and I think they should answer, but I'm just saying, I think the Bible clearly teaches that there's proper behavior for women. There's proper behavior. I think it's important we teach our young girls proper behavior. We teach them how to conduct themselves. We teach them how not to try to seduce men, you know, or try to seduce them with, with, you know, flattery, you know, the the look of the eye enticing them. You know, that it's wrong. It's wrong. And consequently, in our society now, we have problems everywhere. Why? Because we're so far away from God's word. We're so far away from his word. We're so far away from the truth. We're so far away from what he's told us. The answer, turn back to him. You know, it's kind of simple. Turn back to him. Look at what we're doing and say, you know, this is sin. We need to repent. We need to turn away from. We need to turn away from. We need to not partake of when we have as much as we can. We need to not partake of those things. We need to stay away from it. We need to stay away from it. Is judgment going to come. Possibly. Possibly. I believe what we're going through now are warning signs. I think they're warning signs. I believe God dealt with his people. You know, I'm not saying he's done dealing with his people, but there was a big push to deal with the church. I believe now he's dealing with others. And I think if some point in time, if we don't turn, then I believe there will be probably judgment of some kind. That things will, things will happen because of disobedience. Because of what we've done. I think it's important for us as Christians to pray. You know, pray. Pray that God send His Holy Spirit. We know We probably need a sovereign Holy Spirit wave of God. You know, we almost need God to sovereignly do something. Because it's just almost, to me it's almost that big. That we need God to move and to touch hearts and lives. He'll use people, he'll use us, where we have opportunity to make a difference. One of the biggest places you can make a difference is in your family. One of the biggest places you have responsibility and you have some influence is your family. You know, most of us here, we can't influence the government, we can't influence, you know, people in high places, but we can be an influence in our family, in our family, our children. Teach our children. Don't just let them go by the way of the world. Don't just sit and let them just wander down a path. You know, teach them. Now, it'll, will it be kind of hard at sometimes? Yes, because as the world goes down that path, you look kind of strange sometimes making right decisions. But I believe we have, number one, responsibility. And number two, I believe there's benefit. I believe there's benefit to be obedient. You know, we've been studying Joshua going into the promised land in Sunday school. You know, he kept saying, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do this, I'm going to have to bring judgment. You know, he kept saying, if you do this, I'll bless you if you do this. And I believe he's, I don't think God changes. I don't think he shifted gears. I think he still wants his people to be obedient and do what they're supposed to. He still wants us to follow his word, be true to his word. And I believe when you do that, I believe there's blessing. I believe there's blessing. There's blessing in being obedient to what God wants us to do. So just pray. Pray for our families. Pray for our children. I mean, they face a lot. A lot more than we did. They have a lot more stuff to deal with but it's up to us, the church, to equip them to be able to fight those battles because I believe they're more intense and they're bigger. There's a lot more temptation out there than there used to be. There always was. I mean, you know, it's not like we've invented something new, but you know, where sin abounds, thank goodness grace does much more abound. Thank goodness God's grace is bigger and greater, but just pray that, their hearts be turned to him. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, you just, uh, first and foremost, Lord, just help us to take responsibility in our own lives. Help us to take responsibility in our families, not to just point fingers at all the evil around us and point fingers at all the bad people. But Lord, just help us to be responsible where we're at. Be responsible for, with what we do. Lord, help us be faithful to you. Lord, forgive us for our sin. Lord, where we've sinned against you, forgive us, Lord, and help us to turn to you. Lord, we just thank you for your love for us, Lord, that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Just help us to be faithful to you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We pick up chairs today.